Within each and every one of us resides the eternal and sacred soul. By awakening to our soul and striving to live in alignment with our soul's purpose, we can live extraordinary lives beyond conditioned limitations. Join us, your co-hosts, me, Katrina Slade, and Jennifer Helwing, as we explore and discuss this path of living in alignment with the sacred soul. This is the Sacred Soul Podcast. Welcome back to the Sacred Soul Podcast. We are so honored and excited today to welcome a very special guest, author and intuitive and healer, Cindy Dale. Cindy Dale is an internationally renowned author, speaker, intuitive healer, and visionary. She is the president of Life System Services, which is a corporation that offers intuitive-based healing, destiny coaching, and corporate consulting. Cindy has been trained in multiple healing modalities, including shamanism, intuitive healing, Lakota medicine, and Reiki. She's written several groundbreaking books on the chakras, including Advanced Chakra Healing, Attracting Prosperity Through the Chakras, and New Chakra Healing. And her work has been translated into nine languages. We're so excited to have you here. Welcome, Cindy. Welcome. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. At this point, it's now 20 languages. Isn't that crazy? Wow. Oh, my oh, goodness. Yeah, that. I, I just have to stay up with English. That's my goal. <laughs> <laughs> well, congratulations on all of your success and on your newest publication, The Subtle Body Oracle Deck and Guidebook which is an accompaniment to your award-winning book, The Subtle Body. And I know in your book, you go into very, very deep detail into all things energy and meridians and fields and all of that. It's really fascinating. Um, And I just wondered if you could help explain or help our readers understand the term subtle body, like what that means and explain why it's beneficial to be aware of this energy and how we can work with this energy. Oh yeah. I love talking about energy. So we've known when I say the word me, we, I really mean scientists and esoterics have known for decades uh, and esoterics, thousands of years Um, that we're made out of energy. Everything's made out of energy. Information that moves. That's really a good definition of energy, I think. You know, it's just data that's in constant vibration or motion. But 99.99% of all energy is subtle. When I was being trained in the healing modalities, we called it psychic. Now we've updated our term, made it more official, made it sound, you know, a little bit more renowned and, you know, put some kind of shine on it. We call it subtle. Um, But also for thousands of years, we, uh, and that includes scientists of great renown from thousands of years ago, you know, have known that we have a different body system, anatomy that operates besides the physical. So your physical anatomy, which consists of subtle uh, centers or organs, subtle channels and fields is less than 1% of who you are or of who an animal is or a plant or a tree is. Almost everything consists of subtle energy and the subtle body or anatomy that's organizing all this subtle energy. And, you know, just like the physical body, we have subtle organs or centers. We tend to call them the chakras in most 
cultures, uh, we have subtle channels. They're the meridians and the nadis. And we have subtle fields, which include the auric fields. But you know what? Everything that we are is just generating fields of light and sound. So absolutely everything is made out of you know these these mostly invisible, hard to measure fields that are oscillating that are made out of light and sound. So the subtle body is really about the majority of who you are. Mm-hmm. Yeah, thank you so much for just going in depth with that beautiful description. And it just reminds me of how some people just seem to be so much more aware of those things from childhood. And you were one of those people, weren't you? Yeah, I was. And I'm sure that both of you are too. And I think a lot of us, if we look back historically, we're aware that we had dreams that came true or we believed in fairies or had invisible uh, helpers or friends or knew when we were going to get in trouble way before we got in trouble. Um, (laughs) I I was able to see energy so I could see colors, orbs and fields coming off of people. So I made a lot of my decisions based on what was happening there. I mean, if my mother was this kind of funky red rather than a beautiful cherry red, if she was sort of muddy or it looked fiery, I I, I ran under the bed. I, I went outside. I knew I was going to get in trouble. So I was able to see all that and hear angels and ghosts and spirits and, you know, have a sense of what might happen or if somebody was sick or not. So I was really tuned in and Growing up in a what I would call a white Wonder Bread Norwegian Lutheran family, <laughs> if it weren't in the Bible, it was broken. <laughs> right. Yeah. So what was that like for you to kind of reclaim that as you got older and sort of say, no, like, this is who I am. This is what I can see. I trust what I see and sort of find your way back to kind of owning that connection that you had. It was fun. It was mainly and in general fun. I really started on that path when I entered therapy when I was about 19 or 20. And I had, as you know, many of us do who go into therapy, this huge laundry list of what I needed to fix. OCD, uh, this, that, and the other thing, anorexia, bulimia, you know, food issues, et cetera, et cetera. Family of, of origin issues. And I believe in approaching our lives from that very core psychological profiling too. And I had a therapist who said, you know, you're not only all these uh, requirements to get insurance to pay to help you, but I think you're really psychic too. Mm. And I was like, what does that mean? That's interesting. It was sort of verboten back then to be intuitive or psychic. It was strange. It was weird. Uh, In a church setting, it would have been seen as being a soothsayer and kind of you're then, you know, on that paved road to hell. Um, But, you know, I was in school. I was starting my path down corporate America. And and you could talk about your gut sense, but you couldn't get any broader or bigger than that. I was so lucky that I was able to travel from maybe 21, 22 on to different countries And learn about energy, psychic, ghosts, uh, healing, intuition, whatever words were in back then, shamanism, from people who lived in cultures where that's where you went to get your answers. That was where you, you know, kind of those are the, the, the healers that you went to 
sure, you could go to a doctor, but their x-ray wasn't going to show you what spirit affliction you had or what (laughs) emotional malady might really be going on or if you had an attachment from a past life. So I was very fortunate to be exposed to healers from different countries and nations, which broadened my approach from the traditional allopathic religious understandings into what is really more traditional medicine, we call traditional allopathic, and it's really not in most areas of the country. Traditional is folk. Traditional is indigenous. Traditional is shamanic. Traditional is much more integrative than we tend to think of it in America. Yeah, exactly. So when you were on that journey, I imagine that you started to kind of unravel some of those struggles that you were having and kind of using the, the, the awakening and the awareness and the connection to your own soul and your own intuition as sort of a way of kind of healing and just sort of becoming the incredible person that, that you are today. Well, and I think that we're all called to do that is to, you know, open up those curtains of the energy, yeah. you know, that's between us and, you know, kind of physical 3D and everything else. And not to get too overboard. I, I mean, we've got to feel our feelings, darn it. <laughs> right. Um, yes. It's important to look at trauma. It's important to remember what we grew up in and what we became because of it and to claim our responsibility for what to do with that. Uh, and yet that, you know, the, the reams and reams of the subtle universes are available to help us, to give us perspective, to uh, grow our intuition, and to learn that all-important word, boundaries. I mean, because I'll give you I'll give you an example. I just um, came home. This is my little studio in my home in the basement. And sometimes I go work with clients in an office that's just down the road. And I worked with an, a wonderful woman who I have over you know many years, every couple of years. And she was like, well, how come I haven't met somebody? And it's like, well, we, we don't look to the future for that. She wanted to know, could this be the guy? Or how many men am I going to meet in the next year or this or that? It's about, well, we can look to history you know, for what might be preventing you meeting people who are great matches. But we need to work in the present <laughs> for what messages are you intuitively sending out? What do you need to do on a practical level? What messages are you sending out? So great that you're hearing a man talking to you from the workplace when you're dreaming, but if he's married, he, he's not going to show up. So let's just, let's just have some boundaries here and be in the present and do what needs to be done right now. So when we're timeless, which we all are, we're all eternal, which we all are, we still need to focus. And I know you to agree with me here and now yes. and right, get that tree rooted in the in in our own landscape too. Yes, it's so easy to fall back into like victim mentality or just like kind of stuck you're stuck in this mindset from the past because you've gone through some things that are hurtful and I I found myself kind of trapped in that cycle a few times because I've been going through healing um, with I have been having complications in my left ovary which I know is, is all energetic I know um, I know it's, um, ancestral and it's past lives, and it's current life. It's all this mixture of reasons, but it's easy to get stuck in that. Um, so, and, and I'm, I'm doing a lot of work on myself, but 
for listeners, and I see a lot of this in my clients too, they, they want something like to heal this thing or to clear this block, but they're not really doing anything except thinking about it. So what would you recommend for people who are kind of in that state? Because that's very much a subtle body, subtle energy. Um, It's impacting our subtle energy. It is. And the answers may be, and usually are for almost everything in history, which can include past lives, in between lives, our ancestors, our epigenetics, you know, those chemical codes that hold memories from our ancestors, our genetics, you know, kind of our own body chemistry, et cetera. That's a really big marching order to examine all of that too. So, I mean, this is sort of a very simple answer, but it kind of makes sense too. Um, So I think we go left step, right, left foot, right foot, left step, right step. (laughs) So, so let me take the left, which we tend to think of as, you know, our intuitive self. And, you know, typically that's how we approach it, our emotional intuitive self. So what do we need to dig into emotionally through our intuition? What's our intuition going to point us to? Uh, Is it a an event from childhood? Do we need to focus on an emotion? Is there a past life underpinning? And then we next need to take a right step, like a practical step. Like, so how do I catch myself up with that? Do I talk to myself differently? Do I need to go see a different type of medical doctor and or a therapist and or eat differently? It's really hand in hand. I years ago had human human papillomavirus. It's hard to say that one. HPV, I mean, 80% of almost everybody has this, right? Yes. It's uh, genital warts. And it was probably 15, 20 years ago. And I spent a year going to my OBGYN. And what do I do next? What do I do next? And I dug into the emotions. Like what's underneath this in terms of shame? Have I absorbed the shame from the people I've been with? What was in my family of origin, which was very sexually abusive and an alcoholic family system. So everything about being a woman was shameful. And so I kind of did both at the same time, you know, kind of went into the deeper, what are the energies? What are the so-called negative energies? What do I need to own that's empowering for me as a woman? And I kept going to the OBGYN and we did a couple of procedures And then after about a year, he said, look, we just need to cut this stuff out. But I didn't say no. What I did was say, great, wasn't a hysterectomy, you know, wasn't, you know, the the full nine yards. So what I decided before that, you know, kind of very brief, but real surgery is I just said, you know, whatever's left inside that shame, I just want to cut out because I'm done with this. Mm. And so I was over this. Like I felt my feelings. I know what this is. I have a sense of it. Let's just cut it out. <laughs> and then I've been fine ever since then. So, you know, taking energetics and intuition seriously, we sometimes have to kind of make up our own rules too, right? Yes. We've got to put together the intuition, the deep dive with the practical and the everyday. Like I stopped eating wheat years and years ago, especially American grown wheat is GMO and it's just plain not healthy. Now, Mm -hmm. when I grow up, I can eat bread because it's not. Oh, yes. (laughs) Yes. 
right? So you can only work through so many things before you adjust on that biological level also. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they're very much interconnected. It's the mind-body connection, but also people say mind-body, but really it's like emotions, energy, ancestral childhood body connection. It's complicated. And And I really feel for people, you know, kind of working with something that's very chronic or autoimmune you know, or addictive orientation, because there's probably a thousand, 10 million factors too. So that's why I kind of like, like the left foot, you know, what do I pay attention to that my intuition knows or points to me right foot? What do I do on a practical level? Oh, I need to get more sleep. Well, that's smart. (laughs) Yes. Little of both. And I love how you describe that because we, in this podcast, we talk a lot about like feminine energy and masculine energy and the left side is the feminine and intuitive and feeling connected. And the right side is the masculine, which is action oriented. So what you're describing is exactly um, in line with what we talk about all the time on this podcast, which is kind of finding the balance instead of being all the way over on one side or the other, which can happen quite easily. Yeah. Yeah, And I saw that and you're doing a brilliant job bringing that feminine alive again, because We've had patriarchy for a really long time. I mean, I remember researching it several years ago, uh, and and I think it's been thousands of years. And, um, you know, there used to be more partnership models in the world, more balance of feminine, masculine, you know, kind of more acceptance of how one, you know, curls into the other. And we've really just been under a dominator model, which is, it's not men's fault. And they certainly suffer underneath yeah. this yes. dominating model too. Yes. I have Everybody sons. Does. I have sons, and my youngest son is very emotional. He's an athlete, and he's really emotional. You know, and he's like very intuitive. And he's like, "Mom, it's really hard to be a sensitive guy." So yeah. we're trying to weave all this together, and and we need to. The world needs us to. Let's just say that. Absolutely. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Cindy, I heard you say in a previous interview, a fact about how only 7% of our communication is from our words. So could you share a little bit about how subtle energy plays a role in our interactions with others and the world and how that energy is kind of shared between people? Yes. Well, if 99.999% of all energy is subtle, that means that most of how we're exchanging data and vibes with other people is psychic. All right. And so when you walk into a room, let's just say I'm walking into a room, a meeting or something like that, I'm going to be picking up through my energetic fields, what's happened in that room before me, what people who may not even be there anymore might be, you know, have been thinking or feeling or desiring or wanting. And then there's people who come into the room with me and my channels are open based on my programming to what's occurring for them, which may have nothing to do with me. And yet I'm washing with all of that. I'm soaking all that in and I'm responding to it. So I'm speaking to them, right? Inaudibly with images, with feeling, with my history, with my present, with my dreams simultaneously. So all of that is being exchanged. So yeah, you can take things down to body language, but how do you interpret a body that's not even in the room anymore, okay? 
or the body of somebody who hasn't even entered the room or that of a ghost or a spirit or an ancestor. We're very complicated and that's what's happening almost all the time for all of us. Yeah. That reminds me of just yesterday. I, um, I actually went to Salem, Massachusetts, like, you know, the witch place <laughs> I was driving through and I thought I was going to love it because I I'm into spiritual stuff and the vibe there. I just like the place, I didn't love the vibe. And there was a couple of, of like shops I wanted to go into, but a few times I would walk up to the shop and feel like, no, I don't want to be in that space right now. Like there was an energetic no for me <laughs> thought like my brain thought I, I should do this because I think I'll like it but it, it, I guess it's really beneficial if you can get in touch with those instinctual psychic um co- that communication that, that your your body is trying to tell you something also like if you have a physiological um response to something like if you start breaking out in sweat or if you if you start having a migraine because you know the external factors those that's all related to the subtle body isn't it it is and one of the systemic and systematic ways i like to approach intuition i work with the 12 chakra system i don't care what people work with it's just that i saw those when i was a kid so seven and this is the traditional approach somewhat traditional anyway. There's nothing that says there's just seven anywhere in the world. Um, But we've got seven in the body connected to the spine. And I see five outside of the body also. Every single chakra is an intuitive center. It's a conductor. It's a computer for subtle energy and then secondarily physical energy. And so they're each running a certain programming. We're typically unaware of what's stuck in there. right? You know, what the what the codes are, what the software is. And so it's taking in data, interpreting it, and sending out data. Um, and so we've got all these different ways of being intuitive. What's important to emphasize is they're body-based. Most of them mm-hmm. are body-based. So I don't get this, let me just journey out of my body, which we can do, and it's super cool, and it's super fun, right? But ignoring the body is ignoring most of our intuitive messages and losing control of what we're sending into the world too. So when my physical body, like you're saying, gets really hot, I'm like, what's going on? Is that safe or not safe? Or I start feeling jittery. I'm like, hmm, I don't have a reason to be scared. So what's happening that's not good for me or a little bit scary, or I get chilled. I usually know there's a presence of a person, a being, an entity, uh, sort of you know, a phantom energy that's hanging in a space that's stealing energy from me. I'm in mm. charge of what to do about it. Um, but I use the body all the time. For instance, if I'm working with a client and they're talking about a guide, they're saying, I've got this really cool guide. And I start getting a fluttering in my heart or my stomach turns or something smells bad. I'm like, yeah, let's take a look at that guide. I mean, are we so sure that's something really good? I remember years ago working with a woman. She came into an office I had uh, in my home at that point. And she had fourth stage cancer, very young, two or three kids. Her husband came in with her. I worked on her and I was cold the whole time. I needed to throw up. 
I mean, I went wow. and grew up as before I had better boundaries, but maybe it was good that I could feel sense that my body was reacting to something connected to her that was making her sick. So I said to the two of them, she and her husband, you've got something causing you to be sick. We mm-hmm. sent it away. And you know what? She got well. She actually got well, That's which amazing. does not happen very often with cancer. It doesn't happen, right? Yeah. The body is our tune in vehicle for a lot of what's happening energetically. Yes. And a lot of people have trouble connecting to their body. Um, I, I think it's also another situation where the patriarchy has like caused us to seek wisdom in our minds and not connecting to the body. And it's just, um, I don't know really where I'm going with this, but I just really agree with you. And I feel that a lot too, when I'm working with clients, I'll I'll feel a pain that they have in their body. And then that is like, it's like, I've learned my body's language for telling me, oh, you need to pay attention to like, let's say it's the left knee and then, okay, well, the knee is part of the root chakra. And so we'll talk about that, but, um, I want to go back to your discussion of the 12 chakras, because I find it very fascinating. Um, I think Jen, you had a question about the chakra. Yeah, let's um so let's just start maybe Cindy with could you share with our listeners please what some of those yeah. other ones are that maybe people haven't heard of before. So I guess we'll yeah. start with the eighth chakra, please. They're so fun. I just yeah. love these. So eighth chakra is right above the head. I tend to perceive it as black or silver. It connects to the thymus, so it still links to the body. It's the shaman chakra. It's the mystical one. It has our Akashic records and other types of zones in it that can help us travel across time and space and really has a recording of past, present, and future. So so shamans work with it all the time, knowingly or not knowingly. The ninth chakra, I perceive it as gold. It's right above the head. And in other cultures, sometimes it's called the oversoul chakra or a luminary body Uh, the heavenly chakra, some word like that in their perspective and respective languages. And it's our soul chakra. It holds the codes of, of, you know, body, mind, and soul that need to be embodied in this lifetime for us. So when I, yeah, it's gorgeous. When I work with it, I tend to see people's symbols that need to be brought into the system for them to be as healthy as possible. And they work. I mean, you bring those codes in, they can change genetics, emotions. Um, what do you mean by that? Trauma. So it's really, I'm going to give you a great story. Yeah. Okay. So ninth chakra. Um, I was teaching a class a few years ago. There was a man in the class who was sort of there because his wife made him take the class. Okay. It's a nine month probe, mm-hmm. So it's very long. And he was like, you know, I sort of buy this stuff. I sort of don't. And I had taught a couple techniques that he was using And he was talking to his neighbor who had a dog they were going to have to put down. The dog's name was Teak. I still remember the dog's name. Teak bit people. Teak had all kinds of emotional issues, a rescue dog, physical issues. And he said, you know, I'm in this class. If I, will you just wait to put the dog down for a week until I work on the dog? She said, sure. So twice a day, he just brought in these energies. I call them streams of grace. There's actually a science term for them too. They're scalar, wave, scalar waves. And he brought them in, you know, morning and afternoon. 
And then at night, he would bring those same streams of energy down for the dog through its sign chakra into its body. After three, four days, the neighbor said to him, what are you doing to my dog at night? And he said, I'm just bringing these codes down into it for it to become healthier. He goes, why? And she goes, every night about the same time, the dog is just falling over in the yard, in the food bowl, just falling over. At the end of the week, the dog was great. No emotional hangups, physically better. She didn't need to put the dog down. Those are the codes. If you think of it, DNA are codes, right? Epigenetics are codes. Emotions are neurotransmitters in the body. Those are neurological codes. There's chemical codes, biological codes. So if you bring those in and they're meant for you, they can repopulate your body and reprogram you again on every single level inside your system. That's what I love about the ninth chakra is its ability to kind of bring into us what we need for the here and now too. Mm -hmm. So that's a way over the top of the head. The 10th chakra is in the opposite corner, right? Vertically, it's below the feet. It's about a foot and a half to two feet, sort of brown, citrine, earthy in tone that connects us to the earth and the cosmos. Sometimes that's called the earth chakra, the earth star in other systems. Uh, so it's well, it's known, you know, but I just call it the 10th chakra, which is very boring, but there it is. Um, and that's our connection to earth and cosmos, but also our genealogy, our ancestors, to the earth itself, to nature, to stars. So it's a really important chakra to be able to have cleansed, activated, and operate through. Super sensitive people, their 10th chakras may be picking up on, you know, what's happening in the sun, sunstorms, solar storms, or animals, or uh, fires that are in their environment or somebody else's. So a lot of people are really open through that chakra. They just don't know it either. Um, 11th chakra is really quite, uh, I think it's fascinating. It's rosy colored. It's in the energy field, but it's also very sort of interlaced with the energy around the hands and the feet. And through it, Shamans across time and actually leaders, even contemporary leaders, often command natural and supernatural forces. So those weather shamans who say change the weather or raise the dead or uh, heal this tumor, psychic surgeons, they're probably using the 11th chakra. A lot of leaders today are probably misusing their 11th chakras right? Without even knowing it, you know, they, the old story of Alice in Wonderland and off with their heads, the red queen is like chop off their heads. Think about how many leaders in our world, that's how they operate. They're just scaring people and they're commanding natural elemental forces and supernatural forces. Hitler, Hitler was connected to uh, an entity. It entered when he was at least 17, if not earlier, there's records of this. When he was in the trenches in World War One, he heard a voice say, leave the trench. He did, and everybody else was killed. So he, but look at what he commanded. I mean, you can misuse and use any of these capabilities. And I think of the 12th chakra as accessible from the middle of the heart 
but also kind of around the entirety of us, very clear, translucent. I'm sure it's different colors for different people. And I think of it as connecting to our own spirit, sort of like a a skin or a skein of our spirit through which we access at least one of our own unusual, not like anybody else, is metaphysical gift. So, you know, it's really fun for people to go, what's really unique about my my soul, about my capabilities? We can go to the 12th chakra to mind that. Yeah. Yeah, I so love fascinating. that. <laughs> yeah, I love that. I love that because, you know, a lot of um, spiritual traditions are, they kind of miss that concept of that we're all here to be these unique expressions of the divine, right? And we're not just here to be like, oh, all my chakras are balanced and I'm just, I just become kind of nothing. I have no identity. I have nothing, but we're humans and we're embodied souls for a reason. And so I love that you bring that up because, you know, yes, we are all one and yes, we are all connected, but we also do have these unique, beautiful, unique expressions of the divine. The first time I brought that up to a client years and years ago, I was doing a session. She lived in California. I got visions that were spot on, but very odd. They were like, well, you're married to a prince. It's not any prince we know right now, okay? (laughs) It's not. So don't go into the royal family. It's not Um, Meghan Markle. (laughs) No, it's not Meghan Markle. No, but she said, I am a minor prince, you know, kind of from Europe. And I said, but I see these like women when when you're getting married to him, casting spells at you, like they're so jealous. And she was like, those were all his ex-girlfriends. And so I had these, and I said, I think you're married. You got married in a castle. She said, we did. So there were these really weird things that were very accurate during the session. And then I said, but you have a very unique gift. And she goes, well, what is it? And what popped in with words from one of her guides was, you can write the end of stories and they come true. Oh my gosh, I want that gift. She paused. She said, how do you know that? And I go, I don't know that. I'm receiving that as a suggestion. What do you do with that? She said, three times I have literally written a story for one was a little four-year-old boy, the other two I don't remember, but she said they had really traumatic, tragic events going on. I only remember the little boy that he had leukemia and she wrote the end of the story that he was healed and he was. And the endings happen for all three individuals, the way she wrote them. Wow. And, you know, she never called me again, which I think is very interesting. Because I would want to know more about what that is, how to use it, how to help people. Yes. Right? But I think we're sort of scared of what makes us unique because most of us grow up in families and or environments. And this has been true, again, of the patriarchy for thousands of years like survive and tribe, right? Fit in, fit in, fit in, fit in. Don't be the odd one or your head will get cut off. Don't be the odd one or kids will bully you. Don't be weird or people are going to, you know, kind of not give you a job or, or your family will make fun of you or whatever it is. So what's really unique about is how wonderful to accelerate that. And, you know, maybe we can do that in, you know, especially the up and coming generations. You're both younger than me. So thank goodness, you know, kind of this message is getting out there and maybe we could open it up. I had a mom, maybe two, three, four, whatever years ago, bring her son in to see me. 
And he was 12. He was just adorable. He was obviously a geek. I mean, come on. He had, you know, <laughs> black glasses, you know, sort of like clutching some technology, um, you know, kind of black hair that wasn't cut very well. And he didn't want to talk. And and I said, what do you want to bring up? And he he looked at his mother, you know, and he goes, you tell her. And she goes, well, no, you tell her. And so he just, you know, somebody said, well, just what do you see? And I saw him going to a movie with a little blue girl, little blue girl sitting next to him, like flying in and sitting next to him. And he looked at his mother after I said that. And he said, you told her. And she goes, I can say anything. And I said, well, it looks like she's a friend of yours from some other planet or place. And he goes, I know, but I'm not supposed to tell anybody about that because they'll think I'm weird. Mm. And and then, but then he was sort of intrigued and he goes, well, what else do you see? And I got this picture of him with the little blue girl and other people like not blue and you know what I mean? Other colors, but also pretty normal humans in a circle holding hands. And in the middle, they were all surrounding this beautiful white flame. And I said, this is what you're here to do. You're here to open up a bigger sense of who we are. And to help people do that. And obviously, his mother had told him a few things about me because he said, well, then who am I? What am I? He goes, am I just weird? And I go, no, you're an X-Men. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, we've got to fit in. We, we need to pay our bills. I do get that. We need to send our kids to school. I mean, there's so many things that are about that are about being human, that are great. These aren't bad things. And we need to extend more into what makes us unique, you know, because that's where we might get, you know, the cure for cancer or, you know, kind of knowledge that we already have actually, like of what paint we can use that will do solar conversion automatically that already exists actually. But, um, you know, but look at what we can do when we open up into what's really unique about us too. Yeah. Yes. I love that. Um, I have kind of a, a question for you just going back to the 12 chakra system. So I have this memory of when I was, I think I was maybe eight years old or something like that. And I was always, I would always play with my energy. Like I was very aware and I would always kind of play with my energy. And at one point I was really tuned in and I was kind of, um, I think I was using uh, the chakras in the hands that you refer to. And I was sort of like playing with my energy, feeling into things. And then something happened very instantaneously where I could suddenly all at once feel like everything in the room, like it almost like it was my skin, like sensory. I could feel like all the walls, everything around me. It was, it happened very fast. And then it was like, whoosh, and then it was over. And so I'm just wondering which chakra would that have been related to? I think it's 11th and 12th. Okay. okay. I'm sure it's 11th because when you're commanding natural, like wind, water, fire, earth, energy, et cetera, sort of like, um, don't the power rangers do that? <laughs> <laughs> right. When you're working with natural elements and supernatural elements, it, it, it seems that your way of doing it. So I would say this is your personal unique way of doing it is to be able to access everything all at once, make sense, what is here, and then maybe you could also go that next step. 
to move something that needs to be here instead of here over there too. So you can really play with that capability. That's interesting. Yeah, thank you. Because I, I remember it was very scary for me as a child. I was like, oh my goodness, what is happening? And you know, I, I grew up in a religious family too. And so um, all of that was always kind of uh, there was a lot of fear about the spirit world and energy. Like it was, you know, it's bad. The end, there was no, mm-hmm. <laughs> no room for anything else. Well, how are you going to ask? I mean, exactly. that's part of it. Yeah, I mean, exactly. I know when I was um, having, I mean, I saw angels and had tea parties with them and my mom was mentally ill. And so for her, you know, she had that twist on it. So other parents might've just said, oh, that's sweet. <laughs> okay. You know, but for her, it was like, well, you're playing with the devil, right? Mm. And she did this whole weird ceremony a couple times with a candle, a lit candle to burn the devil out of me, um, you know, which hurt like all get out, right? And oh, what wow. was interesting, yeah, but what was really interesting is that healed years and years after I probably was 35, 40, I was hiking in Costa Rica in a, uh, in a jungle forest. It was really cool. And I felt, I felt like I was being pushed and I, and I fell my, I fell with my hands like this onto this tree that was called the tree of the, like, like in the Bible, the tree of the knowledge of good and bad. And all of the memory of, I had remembered it, but never processed what my mother had done. My hands were just stinging and all of that came back out again too. So no matter what we've gone through, no matter what judgments there have been, you know, the body and the soul unified provide us opportunities to revisit, to think differently, to go, yeah, kind of what I'm able to do, that's a good thing. It wasn't whatever was judged in this life or a different lifetime. There's beauty behind it. And I can reactivate that beauty too. Yeah. You know, I I just can hear all of the listeners thinking, well, how do I do that? Like, how do I accept that? Or how do I work with the 12th rock? Or how do I work with the my unique gift? Do you have any tips for them? I'm a real believer in asking the guides to do the work. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's so a good one. It's a really good one. So, yes. you know, kind of go inside of yourself and just say, you know, I'm really open to having my gift become obvious and give it a certain time frame. No less than three days because you've got to, you know, kind of go through your life and be open to how does a sign come? Do you have a dream? Do you read a book? Do you watch a movie and you're like going, wow, I can do that too, or whatever it might be, maybe even up to two weeks, you know. But the I always think of my guidance as, and I go top down, you know, whatever you call God's source, I like to go top and say, you know, bring me the guides I need to do this with me or for me. And so I ask for those that are smarter than I am, right? They can get the message to me because I'm in this body, which is beautiful, but but a little narrow too. And I'll just say, I just want signs. I want, I want the wisdom of, I want to be shown. What are my gifts? What are my, what's my unique gift? You know, three, three days to two weeks and just be open for what kind of responses come in and what you become aware of. It's a really fun way to get an answer to almost anything. Yes, you know, that comes through in a lot of the readings I do for clients. They want to know something and the guidance I receive 
from their guides is to ask us like the guides are saying you ask us we want it's like they want to have that connection and relationship to you and I get that a lot so I think there's something there that we, we it would be very beneficial for all of us to have a deeper connection to our guides and to um, and what you're describing also is sort of a state of surrender, like being open to receive, like what am I meant to receive? Um, but then again, we talk about boundaries and like, I guess you have to have a good connection with your guides to trust that they're bringing you what's for your highest good. Um, and not just like you mentioned earlier, the story of a woman who had a connection to a guide that was really yeah. not for her highest good. Yeah, it's it, you know, there's two stories about flaming bushes or some such thing in the Old Testament. One is Moses and Abrahamic religions um, know about Moses. You know, he sees this flaming bush and it's God and he takes off the sandals and God tells him what to do. Okay. There's another story with a uh, counselor, a prophet named Gideon. And I think it was a flaming bush. It was very much something on fire. And it talked to him, you know, spoke you know, he heard, you know, voice through it. And he goes, how do I know who you say you are? And he tested mm -hmm. it three times. So there is this sort of paradoxical way of being smart about what we're doing mm -hmm. and having good boundaries and being logical. Like if a voice tells me to jump off a cliff, I ain't jumping off that cliff. It's not <laughs> happening. I'm just not going to do it. And you know, and being open to wisdom and guidance. So it's a little bit like that left foot, right foot. I mean, let me be open that let me see what do I think, you know, kind of what, what else do I get about it? And or check in for maybe more guidance or how does my body feel with this? What seems to make sense to me? So we don't abdicate responsibility and turn it over to guidance. They're guides, they're advisors. Any more than if we go to a therapist, and I've gone to lots of therapists, and they're typically wonderful. And every so often, somebody, they'll say something to me like, well, you need to stop doing that. And I'll go, no, I'm not going to. This feels good to me. This is this is safe. I'm, I'm going to keep eating pears or whatever it is, right? I'm just making stuff up right now. But, but we need to remain, uh, you know, kind of have our own agency. Mm -hmm. and partner. So it's, it's a process of both, I think. Yes. Thank you. Yeah. It's just like with humans, like if you, if a human comes up to you and says, oh, I think you should do this. I mean, you, you have to have your own inner authority, right? So um, I think that's also related to the solar plexus chakra, having your own sense of personal power and empowerment. So I guess connecting with your guides, if like listeners are listening to this and they're thinking, well, I want to do that. Um, you know, work on that solar plexus and work on your relationship with the guides and don't just blindly accept whatever comes. Yeah. Do you have any other comments, Cindy, about working with guides? Well, I mean, again, I like to go top down. <laughs> so there's just like with people, there's a lot of riffraff. They might mean well, they may not mean well. <laughs> right. So, you know, what I don't really, I mean, in my head, I use the word God because it's short and it's easiest. When I'm talking aloud, I might use the word source. I can also sometimes hear my own higher soul, which has this certain distinct resonance to it, 
too. So I have a sense of and ways I interact with what I find to be the higher authorities for myself. And so I try to go there and then and then say, send me what I need or give me a sign from nature that's going to be meaningful to me, which makes life really fun too. When I'm working with clients, I do the same thing. Like I always go to that place of higher, my higher authority. I only want to interact with the spirits or the higher authority of others, right? The stuff that is good, if you would, very simple term. And then I turn it over to source. I turn a process over and I encourage people to often follow the same flow for themselves. And then just without being paranoid, just stay aware of what suits, what doesn't, what needs to be tested, what you can just take in. Lots of times when I'm working with clients, their guides are the ones that are going to show up. They know the person. I don't know the person. Um, I had a really fun experience years and years ago with a woman who didn't really like me. She didn't really like the insight I was giving. She had a very complicated storyline going on with her husband who was living with somebody else and he was dying and blah, 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 blah. You know, so I was like, do you have a lawyer? I mean, come on, like, make sure the lawyer has left your kids the stuff in the will. Okay. So that was pretty commonplace. And then she said, I want to, when I, you know, within the next year, I want to give a TED talk. And I'm like, what are you going to talk about? Well, she didn't really have any experience in anything. So she really wasn't going to be giving a TED talk, mm. right? So I said, do you want me to check in with guidance about something you could aim at that would be a good career step for you? She'd been a housewife, which is great, but that's not going to really give you a TED talk until you figure out how to make it into a TED talk. So, so she said, yes. So I, you know, I go to higher power and I get this image. It was adorable of a naked man wearing an apron in a kitchen, cooking and singing. I said, I don't know who this is, but he has a message for you. She goes, oh, that's my dead brother who was gay. Not that gay people prance around naked, but he was a waiter, <laughs> right? But he was gay and he, he sang wonderfully. She goes, he uh, was a chef. And he, um, you know, also was a singing waiter in a gay restaurant, right, for gay people, which I thought was, you know, LGBTQI, et cetera. And I thought, well, that's cool. So he's got some credibility because how would I see him otherwise? And his message to her is, darling, just start writing trashy novels like about your ex. And mm -hmm. she was so mad. She was like, I want to give a TED talk. I don't want to write trashy novels. And he said, in the end, you want money. <laughs> mm -hmm. So sometimes we don't know what we're going to get. So we got to be a little open. She did not like what I got for her. Right. And so I said, you know what? Just go, go get your own guidance. Right. This is what came through for you today. Right. When I go to higher power, this is what comes through. I mean, talk to your brother more about it, not me. <laughs> so yeah. we don't really know what we're going to get all the time. Sometimes there's a mind bending that happens too. Yes, yes, and, definitely. Yeah. And our, our attachments like kind of blind oh. us from what we're really meant to receive, the energies we're meant to receive, the information. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> it's kind of funny. We've got to keep a sense of humor too. Yeah. So I just have one last question for you, Cindy. 
Um, in your book, The Subtle Body, which I've started to read, and it's incredible, by the way, um, you discuss how in some chakra models, as well as in the scientific measurement of auric fields, that the subtle body reflects kind of our state of consciousness. And so I'm really interested to hear just a little bit about your personal experience of observing these different levels of consciousness in the people that you've worked with, and also how we can become more aware and intentional about our own level of consciousness. Well, the truth is most of us have many, many stages and levels of consciousness simultaneously. Okay. That's really what it is. So for instance, it's really big and it's been big for a long time to read somebody's auric field and see what color it is, that that's going to show you who they are. Well, the primary color you'll see reflected in the auric field, and you can do this on computers too, is going to be what's the overriding thematic extension, those are boring words, but that's kind of where they are right now in that moment. So if you see a lot of yellow, people will say that's third auric field, that's mental, um, you know, that's third chakra as well. So you're a really thinking person in that moment, maybe, maybe that's primary for a lot of your time, but not always. I had an experience where I was getting a computer test, you know, on my auric field and it was cool. It was sort of rose and had a little red and had a little purple and all this stuff. And then I said, why don't I try something? And they said, what? I said, I'm going to invoke an angelic self. Like, I want to show you who I would be if I was an angel. Everything turned white. It just turned white. Completely white. Now I couldn't hold it. (laughs) Right. It flashed white while they're trying to get pictures of this. It went back to the other colors, right? But isn't that fascinating? I mean, we are in charge of our energy. We just don't know it most of the time. That is fascinating. Yeah, I think it is too. So why don't we talk now about your Oracle deck? Because I think that can really help people sort of tap into this information about themselves if they need a, a tool to connect to this wisdom. So would you would you be able to share about your new oracle deck and how people can best work with the cards? It's so beautiful. Oh, it's from Sounds True. I have a subtle body encyclopedia, subtle body practice manual. Um, I think maybe something else. I can't remember. Well, another piece coming. All right. That's about ancestors and whatever. And the oracle deck. So it's organized into the most amazing images. Um, Adela Lee, the artist is beyond. Um, so there's, there's the 12 chakras, there's, there's 12, um, meridians, which, and there's depictions of these that are beyond beautiful and, um, and, and ex, et cetera. There's 12 auric fields, there's 12 subtle elements. And so you can use it to figure out there's a lot of spreads too, that you can take to go, what do I need to focus on? Or ask a question, just like any Oracle deck. You know, it's sort of a bit of mystery and magic in it. Um, is there a is there a field that I need to really work on? And you just work with the fields or any way you want to work with it. It's about your interaction with them that will help you kind of pull responses, answers, or ancestors, probably for real, um, focus points, access points to help you determine what to heal and how to heal it. I do give a few exercises in there. I always work personally with a process I call spirit to spirit, where you affirm your own spirit, helping spirits, greater spirit, you know, that'll help you get the best um, responses out of your interactions. 
and work with again, you know, this this idea, this knowledge that we have that there's streams of energy for healing always available. So you can pull those to you to help you make you changes too. Wow, that's exciting! I can't wait for people to have this. Oh yes. my god, the cult, the images are beyond. I can't even describe them. They're almost like holy, like like the six chakras. This tiger purple tiger. I mean, the images themselves will invoke alterations inside of you. Yes. Yes. Thank you so much for sharing that. And um, would you mind sharing with our listeners how they can find you online if they're listening and they want to know more? How can they find you and how can they connect with you? It's easy. (laughs) I just send everybody to my website, cindydale.com spelled weird. It's C-Y-N-D-I dale.com and there's classes there's my books there's um and you know what you can just google and get a whole bunch of free stuff to do too like there's articles out there there's uh tests and quizzes on chakras i've been around so long that a lot of the stuff on amazon is like deeply discounted which is great (laughs) i think too like you're just starting out you just kind of want to invest a little bit to see how it works for you a um, lot of YouTubes giving you, you know, kind of ways to do that spirit to spirit or invoke healing. Um, so you can just Google and you can go on my site as well. Yes, you have such a wealth of resources to share. I was on your website earlier. There's so many like courses and programs people can take. And it's just really amazing to see you standing in your power and like shining your light into the world. And as you're doing that, you're helping lift everybody else up who is who is engaging with your work. So thank you just for being that. As person. a of you, thank you so much for what you're doing and your messaging. Thank, oh, you, thank you, Cindy. It's been such an honor to have such an incredible intuitive and expert in your field to be on our podcast. And we've just been so honored to share this sacred space with you. Thank, thank you. Yes. Thank you, thank so, you much. so much. Okay. Thank you so much for joining us today. And if you're interested in learning more or connecting more with some of the themes we've discussed, we invite you to find out more at our Instagram. You can find us at Sacred Soul Healing Co. And if you want to connect more with me and learn more about what I offer, you can find me on Instagram, Katrina Slade Artist Intuitive or katrinaslade.com. And if you're interested in finding out more about me and how we can work together, I empower people to heal their own wounds and rise into their soul's true calling. You can find me at moonpathwellness.com or at wellnesswithjen on Instagram.